0: to those all right get your bibles out if you would your smart devices whatever you're going to use uh, as we look into the scriptures um, this morning i did announce that we were going to have a series called group therapy and i have a lot of things that i am going to still use from that that the lord was giving me but as i was studying through the week and meditating on things to share on uh lisa sent me a text message and said um you know, we came out of living well, and part of living well, we are looking at getting whole spiritually, physically, and in our soul, mentally, emotionally, and financially even. We talked about those things last month. Maybe we should go into loving well. We need to learn to love well. One of the things that we really need to do that I am sensing in my spirit is learn to love ourselves. A lot of people don't love themselves for various reasons, and because they don't love themselves. Oh, well, Preacher Timothy said that we shouldn't be lovers of ourselves. Whole different context of Scripture there. You, you got to at least like yourself. <laughs> Some people don't like themselves. Uh, and that includes, uh, hold the mule, somebody, I'll get really blunt here, looking at yourself in the mirror and loving yourself, Okay. And then your mind, loving the way that you think about yourself. And uh, my intentions this morning are to help shed some light uh, on the great love that God the Father has for you. Okay, uh, we've got to become more and more well aware of this deep, deep well of His love. Because when we drink from that well, we're rescued from and we are delivered from the pain and the hurt that loss has caused in our lives. Recently, the Holy Spirit was reminding me of the story of the woman at the well in John, the fourth chapter. And out of his great love for her, Jesus comes in the midst of her circumstances. Listen to me. Not because of her circumstances but because of her. When the Holy Spirit showed me this and he said that I didn't go to her because of her circumstances, I went to her because I valued her. Can I tell you that Jesus values you? God puts so much value on your life that he gave his son for you out of his great deep well of love to show you the value and the worth that you have. And you know, the scripture said there in John 4 that Jesus must go through Samaria. He must go through Samaria, not because Samaria was on his mind, but because the Samaritan... woman. He didn't go through Samaria because it was on his way. He went to Samaria because the woman was on his mind. Then that song started playing in my head that Willie Nelson sings. You were always on my mind. And I tell you that that's the way God feels about you? That's the song he sings to you. You are always on my mind. That ought to help you right there. And I believe that when God sings that he sounds alike, like Willie Nelson. When he sings that you're always on my mind. Some of you won't forget. You will not remember anything I said this morning. But that God's voice sounds like Willie Nelson. Telling you that you are always on his mind. Jesus doesn't come to camp out in your fear and your doubt. He passes through and heals it. Now, we have him with us always. But there are circumstances and situations because they are temporary and he is eternal that he doesn't come and camp out in your doubt and in your fear. He passes through them and heals them to get you to the next level, to get you through to the next area of life that he has for you. It is vital that the truth of who God is And we can only see the truth of who he is through his gift of love, Jesus, being revealed to us in the midst of real-life issues. I believe that's how Jesus wants to reveal the Father to you, is right in the middle of your real-life issues. One of those is grief, the loss, the pain accompanied with loss the loss of anything, not just the death of a spouse or a child or a loved one, but the loss of a pet, the loss of a job, retirement comes in, people that had felt valued and worth something because they went to work every day, now they've lost that and they don't feel as valuable and worth and they begin to grieve. There's a lot of areas that people grieve in. So will you pray with me this morning before we get into this message? Father, we thank you that as we grieve, you are our only help. Thank you that Jesus bore our grief and carried our sorrows. He endured the pain of our grief to show us your great love. Now we thank you this morning that we have eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to receive, a mind to believe, and a mouth to confess all of the good things that you have given to us through Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now let's jump over to Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Because Lisa, I mean, I was over here with tears dripping down my face as she shared because I heard her heart and what she was sharing about how she's received the love of God and she wants you to receive that love of God. We look at Isaiah 53 and we see just a glimpse into the love that Jesus had For us, and it says that he was despised, he was rejected of men, a man of sorrow, and acquainted with our grief. I like that. Underline that in your Bible. Acquainted with our grief. I'll show you, I'll share another scripture with you here in a moment that will show you that that acquaintance wasn't just, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you, and walk on. That acquaintance was. He felt every aspect of pain that grief could ever bring. Why? So that he could sympathize with you when you went through that grief. The woman in John, the fifth chapter, fourth chapter, that was caught in the very act of adultery, the conversation with Jesus brings her to a point that he asked, Where's your husband? Do you remember? And she said, how many had she had? Five. She had five, okay. Now, most preachers preach, and they put this woman in a bad light. She was looking for love in all the wrong places, and she been divorced five times, and she's living out of wedlock with a man that ain't her husband, and she's a sinner going to hell in a handbasket. Can I tell you that that has divorce has there's no context of divorce in that at all. Now, can people grieve when they divorce? Absolutely. But that's not what she's dealing with. She has lost five husbands. According to Deuteronomy the 25th chapter, the levirate marriage law told the Jewish men that if Gary and his brothers, he's the oldest of five brothers, and he marries Bonnie, and before Bonnie bears children, Gary passes away, his next oldest brother in line would take on Bonnie and marry her. If he passed away before she bore any children, the next one would marry. And in the Jewish custom, that could go to beyond her first husband but the Bible says she has five. The Samaritan law, they adopted this from the Jewish law, but they added that, and the Samaritan law said that she could do that five times. Five of her husbands. Can you even imagine the grief of a woman? From what we can surmise from this, she probably is childless and she's husbandless. And now she's living with the sixth man and he probably is scared to take her on. Five of her husbands have died. I don't know. I don't want to be number six. Plus, even the Samaritan law said he couldn't marry her. But I believe that she is coming to Jesus and in coming to Jesus, we don't get the picture of her emotional health But just because she's a Samaritan, she's coming in the heat of the day just to not be rejected by the culture and the society because she's lost five husbands. Plus she's a woman, plus she's a Samaritan. She's got a lot of things going against her But in her conversation with Jesus, then religion pops up. How many of you have ever seen someone in a grocery store or a ball game or out in public that hasn't been in church for a very long time, and you have no intentions of saying anything to them about church, but the very first time, I've been meaning to get back in church, I'm sorry. They want to take it down this journey of the. Well, I'll tell you why that happens. Because most of the time we've put condemnation on people because they haven't been certain places that we expect them to be. (laughs) We don't know what people are going through emotionally unless we're personally involved in their lives. We don't know their back story. But it's amazing that this woman is bringing up religion and where certain people worship God and how they worship God. Can I tell you, you can write this in your notes, religion can and will never offer you a remedy for your pain and sorrow. It won't do it. Only a relationship with Jesus out of, built on his great love can heal your pain and your sorrow. It's a partnership. People say, well, how did Jesus deal with grief? I can tell you that the way Jesus handled grief when he was on the planet the, and the way that he deals with you when you're going through grief hasn't changed. John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. When he was grieving, he wept. He knows that his friend Lazarus has passed from the scene and what does he do? Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five, 35, shortest scripture verse in all of the Bible. When he shows up to the time of the family gathering together and he sees Mary, he sees Martha. I don't think he's weeping because of their reactions. I think he is weeping because Lazarus has passed away. That was his friend. He lost his friend. And even though he knows what's about to happen in the moment, of the loss, Jesus wept. What does Jesus do when he sees you grieving? He weeps with you. Why? Because he has a deep well of love that his heart is connected with your heart and what you are feeling is what he is feeling. Some people weep harder than other people. Um, when my, they turned the machine off on my mom, um, I wept. I'm thankful my wife was with me, but I wept. Other people didn't. That's okay. They might have wept later in silence. Some stuff the grief down in the depths of their soul and it doesn't come out till later. Others try to face it head on, hoping that it will go away quickly and they'll get over it quickly. But it takes time. And it takes effort. And it takes drawing. Come on somebody. From the deep well of God's love. For that healing to take place. Let me give you a word this morning. Don't let anyone bully you into a grief time frame. You select the boundaries. They don't. Question. Does God care about my loss and listen again I'm not just talking to some of you I know John and Susan lost their daughter I know Sheila's lost her husband I know Martha Alice has lost her father so I know that there are people that have lost loved ones but this can be a loss of a job this could be a divorce this could be a loss of a pet there there's loss includes a lot of things that people are grieving over and does God care for you Or about you in your loss. Found a scripture I want to share with you in Psalm the 10th chapter, verse 14. It says, but you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. Man, when I saw that, I literally saw in my mind's eye that if we will give him our grief, he will take it out of our hands into his hand. Man, that was good. The reason that we have hope is number one, God is love. 1 John 4 8 says, For God is love. God Himself is love. He doesn't just embody love, He is love. So when you go to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, and you read the love chapter, everywhere that the word love is used, you can actually just say God is patient and God is kind. God doesn't keep any score of wrong. But why? Because he is love. We have hope because the Lord is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. Man, if you want to shout anywhere, shout that he's slow to anger. And he's abounding in love. And he is rich in mercy. He sees us in our loss. He connects with us and sympathizes with us in our grief and he does not disdain us okay everybody perk up and get your hearing aids on and just listen to this because this next part is for all of us some messages there will be bits and pieces that are different for each one but this is for all of us let the redeemed of the Lord say so so okay So, this is for all of you. The body of Christ is designed to ease the burden of its individual members. So, each of us, as a member of the body of Christ, we are designed to help ease the burden of others. I mean, Paul says in Galatians the sixth chapter, verse two carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. (laughs) Christ fulfilled the law of Moses. It's complete. It's a finished work. We don't have to go back and complete any terms and conditions of that contract. But Scripture tells us He did not leave us lawless. So He has given us the law of Christ in the life of the Spirit. And the law of Christ is found in John, the 13th chapter, verse 34, and it says, A new commandment I give you love one another as I have loved you, you also love one another. So, let me, I just want to pause here for a second and just have a conversation. How do we take a new covenant, New Testament scripture? That tells us, Daris, it says, Jesus' words, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Is that in the book? Yes. Okay. That's in the New Testament. Is that words written in red? Sounds like to me that then my forgiveness from the Father is based upon and conditioned in my forgiveness of others. So then that's not a gift. But I can bring a lot of other scriptures and I can bring that in. It tells me that salvation and the forgiveness of God for me is not conditional. It's a gift from God that he gave to me. So how do I take that scripture? Because if we look at that scripture in context, Jesus was answering questions from the, adv- the attorneys of the old law system. So the context of their question Lisa made mention of it a few minutes ago what is the greatest commandment in the law so Jesus takes the law of Moses book out and that's the reference and he says love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength then Jesus goes ahead and says and the second one's like it to it, love your neighbor as yourself okay great things but we don't know how to do that plus I can't command you to love anyone. Well, I mean, I can. (laughs) Love your brother. I command you. But Jesus takes that away by fulfilling that, and then he gives us a brand new commandment that is just not uh, a bunch of demands, but he gives us the supply. I'm going to give you the example and the model to follow. Plus, I'm going to love everybody and forgive everybody in the work that I do so that then you can just go about your life knowing that you're forgiven and you can love others as the way I've loved them. How do we do that? Carry one another's burdens and in this, fulfill the law of Christ, which is love. Carrying one another's burdens you have within you the capacity to mourn with those who mourn. Romans 12, 15. And to rejoice with those that rejoice, I've found that it's probably more difficult to rejoice with those who are rejoicing than it is to mourn with those who are mourning. Often the grieving tend to shun others, then they increase their isolation and misery, but it's much healthier to seek out counseling and get into a group setting where you have a set of listening ears, helpful encouragement, camaraderie, and the guidance to make it through grief because you hear how others have made it through. When we share our stories of grief, our grief is lightened. I've asked Sheila to come and share just a brief testimony on how God's been helping her through her grieving process. Can you come and share with us for just a minute? As she shares, she's going to lighten her own grief, but it's going to help you lighten your grief too.
1: Thank you all. Well, first of all, you're thinking, Sheila's going to get up there and cry, and she's going to tell all the sad things. But I'm here to tell you, I'm encouraging you. Grief comes to every one of us in one form or another. And it lasts a long time. My first year of grief was masked. I was in a fog. Did I hurt? Absolutely. Did I not pray? Absolutely. Did I get bad at God? You better believe it. Because he took my heart. But why not <laughs> and this is really odd Yeah, I said okay God you said you're here prove it prove it and he said okay your plans I've already figured out for you the grief I share with you and before Jim died Many of your names he brought to me. I didn't know why until he passed. Lisa, and Jamie, and Debbie, and Jennifer. You all were mentioned by Jim, Butch, and Brian. And I said, Why are you telling me this? I didn't know then, but I know now. The first year, I thought, if I can make it through the first year, I can do this. It wasn't easy. But I'm here to tell you, the second year is worse. And people say, how can it be worse? Because I no longer expect to wake up from a nightmare. It's the truth. (laughs) I prayed to die. it wasn't my time. I see husbands and wives and love each other now. Don't wait. Don't wait. What got me through it was God. It was God's love. It wasn't, did I cry? Probably I caused many floods around here. But it's okay because the floods receded and so have my tears from time to time. But don't ever, if I can leave you with anything, it's to be encouraged. Don't stop in the middle of your grief. Don't stop there because once you stop, the devil takes over. Keep nudging yourself and go quietly on. And that's that's how you get through grief. You don't dodge it. You don't fight it. You go through it. And many of Jamie's sermons and Lisa's nuggets that Jim loved dearly and I thought, Jim was crazy. I thought, Jim, why are you telling her all this? Because she helps me now. I didn't know it back then. Grief is real. It hurts. It stings. I wanted to crawl in bed many nights and never get up. When the daylight came, I thought, oh, God, why did you bring me daylight again? There was a reason. I did blogs on Facebook and got many private messages saying, don't stop. It's helping me. I didn't know how I was helping them. All I wanted to do was talk about my gym, my heart. But I'm telling you, there's laughter, there's joy, and there's peace in grief. I know you don't believe it, and I pray none of you go through what I went through. But if you do, I want you all to know that you're going to lose your peace and you're going to lose your joy at one time or other because they've taken your loved ones. But God's going to bring it back to you. Amen. And all you got to do is ask for it. And he's right there. I don't take a step without my cane right now, but I don't take a step ever without Jesus Christ. Amen. Not ever. I couldn't. I could not put my foot, one foot in front of the other. But I'm telling you, a lot of people have said, Sheila, you've changed. I have changed. Because I've got the peace back. I've got the joy of the Lord, which has brought me strength. That I didn't know I had even when Jim was with me. But I want each and every one of you, you know, people say family and friends. Yes, you do need all those people. But each one of you here at one time or other, just by speaking, has brought me through grief a little bit faster than what I would have been. So to each of you, I thank you. Keep praying for me. I've got a long ways to go. The person who says time heals everything, I'm not there yet. I don't see a time ending of my hurt. But I do see me loving each and every one of you. And thank you.
0: Thank you for sharing. Thank you, Sheila. You know, a person's intimate relationship with God is more of a determining factor to the grief process than even the progression of the stages of grief. Did you hear me? There are stages of grief that we go through denial and anger and different things, but the person's intimate relationship with God is more of a determining factor for their healing than going through those steps. Um, You know, there are biblical and unbiblical responses to grief in a variety of ways that people have been coached through grief if you'd come and start playing. You know, Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He wrote the book of Lamentations where he laments. But by faith, Jeremiah turned from the sorrow that he was having um, to looking to the Lord and saying in Lamentations 3.19, he was saying, remember my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. If you stay there, if you meditate on and concentrate on and become obsessed with your grief, you will prolong the misery. That is why it's important for us to turn our focus to the love of God. In Lamentations, the third chapter, if you will read down to verse 25, you see the progression, and he says things like this. Three characteristics of God's love in Lamentations 3. Number one, it's unconditional. It, it says it is the Lord's mercies. See, if I put it, any condition on it, then it's not the Lord's mercy and love. It's me working it out. But his unconditional love comes to us no matter our circumstances or where we may be. Number two, it is endless. There is a limit, limitless supply. His compassions fail not. Even when we fail, even when we are at our worst and our darkest, His compassions fail not. And I love this one. The third characteristic of God's love is that it is faithful and fresh. I like that. His love is faithful and fresh. It says here that they are new every morning. We need to remember that our hope is in a never-changing God, even though our circumstances are ever-changing. Would you stand with me this morning? I know we've spent some time worshiping. We've spent some time praying over different things as the Holy Spirit led, but I believe we need to take just a few minutes and have some special prayer for grief. I know we've said it several times, and there's many of you that are grieving. Listen, it doesn't matter if your loved one passed away 20 years ago. Anniversaries pop up. Birthdays pop up. Holidays pop You still grieve from time to time. I think recently that I've, I've said it a couple of times, we don't ever get over it. We just have the help of God through His deep love to get through it. So this morning, no matter when they passed or if it was a pet or if it was a loved one or if it was a job, a divorce, maybe some of you are still experiencing the sting of that divorce, a grandparent. It doesn't matter what it is. I believe that we could come to this morning and just as an act of faith and walk down this aisle and kneel at this altar and just let the deep well of God's love begin to wash over you and heal you as we worship for just a moment. You're more real than ground up standing on. Yeah. Come on.
1: You're more real than wind in my
0: love. Thoughts define me You're inside, you're mine.